Welcome to the podcast. This is not a meeting and you are not in attendance. I am Scott. We have Big Joe and we have Jimbo sitting around the table. And uh, we're going to start off this week. Joey has some exciting news. He was just talking about it. He's going to tell us a little bit about it. Uh, I've actually been trying to quit smoking here recently. Uh, it's been one of the harder things to stop doing. Um, I got three days in, but I'm got to throw the one day out because I did bum one off of a buddy <laughs> at work. <laughs> so the program that I work is an honest program. So last night I'm standing around a table with a bunch of family members and uh, like, yeah, I'm, I got two days in not smoking, but um, I smoked one yesterday. So I guess I only have one. I'm about ready to complete my first day. <laughs> And, uh, but it's tough. It's a, it's a tough one to kick. I mean, I'd go in to get something out of a gas station and I buy them without even knowing I'm doing it. And pretty excited about being on my second full day without smoking. Well, we're <laughs> excited for you. Yeah, that's definitely, it's definitely a good thing. As a former smoker, for some reason, I grew up in a household. My father was a smoker for years, and me and my two sisters would beg him to quit because we thought it was so terrible. Um, we would leave little notes in his like sock drawer, please quit for us, all these things, and it would just fall on deaf ears. For some reason, we said, for your 40th birthday, will you quit for us? And he did, cold turkey. And they went on a honeymoon, or second honeymoon, like 10 years later. They were in the island somewhere. My mom's like, hey, why don't you have a cigar? Next thing you know, he's smoking cigars every <laughs> single day. <laughs> he would go into the CVSs and buy those little tin cigars and start inhaling those. It was just like, wow, this escalated quickly. And I would see this. I'm like, I'm never going to smoke. Well, I, for some reason, waited till I was legal, 18 years old, to smoke my first cigarette. And I was full-blown hooked right away. I smoked all the way up until it's coming up on three years where I was finally able to quit. And it was definitely one of the hardest things I've ever done. Hmm. And I had to read a book to learn how to quit. And it's crazy, but if anyone out there struggles with smoking, it was the craziest book I ever came across. It was introduced to me by a friend from the islands. It's just called The Easy Way. And it sounds ridiculous because it definitely is. It's a small little book, 111 pages, but I read that. You smoke as you read the book. I stretched it out as long as possible. <laughs> and then when I read that. It's not a very long book. No, yeah. It takes a but while. It, it took a good year and a half to read it. Exactly. The guy that introduced me to it, CJ, down the islands, he would read one page a day so he could smoke for another 111 days. <laughs> I was right around that pace as well. I stretched it out from Thanksgiving all the way to Christmas Eve, but I put it out, smoked my last one on Christmas Eve of 2014. And I haven't looked back since. It was definitely hard. Um, the book has its good qualities and bad qualities. But for some reason, when I read that, it finally clicked that what I was doing was just crazy. That nicotine had me by the grasps, and I was finally able to break free of it. And it's crazy, too, because it doesn't taste good. It smells terrible. <laughs> I mean, there's no real benefits to it. <laughs> it's just, except for it calms you, but it teaches you in the book. It doesn't even do that. <laughs> As you can tell, Joe read the book. Yeah. He was not a successful graduate <laughs> of the book. He I made it, back. I did make it the longest I've ever made was three months by reading the book. And but then he became a slave to the cigarettes again. <laughs> That's what the book talks about, being a slave to nicotine. And you are. Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, see, I, I don't have that experience because I, I never – I've never smoked a cigarette as – as interesting as it is, maybe, or or as dull as that may be, yeah, but you smoke um, cigars. I do smoke cigars. I love a cigar every now and again. Now, I mean, it's not an everyday occurrence for me, but when I have one, 
I get it. I'm like, well, I, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is good. <laughs> but um, but it is. It's something just for me. It's a, it's a kickback with some buddies, have a cigar, chill and talk, and just and a, it's a relaxing thing. You know, for some it's, reason cigars never had a good taste to me. I don't know why. Like I've had obviously some cheap ones in my day. I think that's what spoiled the taste of it. So when I had a good one, I just couldn't appreciate it. Gotcha. But like occasionally on the golf course, I would have one and just like the whole thing would end up wet, soppy mess. I was just like, screw this. <laughs> I ended up hitting it with my nine iron into the woods. I'm like, I don't want this thing anymore at all. This is ridiculous. No, yeah, I, I do. I and love you can't a, I inhale. Love a good cigar. I mean, you can, but you end up a shade of green and throw up all over yourself. Right. Yeah. That's why I never understood. I'm like, I want to feel it. Not <laughs> <laughs> just swish it around in my mouth. Well, a, 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 a decent, strong cigar will leave you with a little bit of a buzz. Without right. inhaling it, it. It will, without inhaling it. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it's a part of the makeup. I mean, it, but anyways, I mean, it you know, it is what it is. You know, I, I love it. I, I enjoy the smell of cigar shops. I love walking into the Oh, I do love the it. smell of it. I love the smell yeah. of a pipe, too. I mean. Oh, yeah. Pipes are awesome. And even now. I mean, I've, I've never smoked a pipe, but I've been around some guys that were, and I'm like, oh, that smells tasty. It smells good. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I've tried, I think, every tobacco product. Like, we had a, we have family friends that have a lake house up near Conneaut Lake, a couple hours north of Pittsburgh, and they have a jar of loose tobacco that you can throw into a pipe every once in a while. And it was a cool experience. It's just like, a, again, so much work involved. There's such a little product in the rent. <laughs> that's, that's why I've never tried <laughs> it. It's just like, I, I don't have the hours to spend yeah. this hobby of smoking a pipe. I don't know. I've, I've watched the guys. I mean, they tear their pipes apart. Uh, they clean them. My grandpa I'm was like, like man, that. that's a lot of, that's a lot of, like, tinkering. Right. I don't want to tinker that much, you know? My grandma would let him do it, like, one day a week. And he would, the rest of the week with the whole prep leading up to that one day, just like, this is ridiculous. Way too much time. In Welcome to marriage. That's yeah. the way it goes. We're going to prep for that one day a week. But, um, well, okay, so so we've talked about that. Obviously, we all have our own vices that we're still <laughs> still dealing with, whether if we find them acceptable or not. I justify my own, to be honest. Um, but what's what else is going on? What What do we have on the table today? been a pretty status quo couple weeks we're in that sweet spot of western pa weather turning ugly in a hurry so trying to adjust and we talked about it on previous episodes where we get in that funk and you start to realize these couple months all of a sudden seem like they take eons to get through now joe obviously you enjoy this time of year more than most because this is where you're making the most money for your company i see money coming out of the sky is what i see absolutely <laughs> but i also see long hours at work and i've i've been struggling with that this week where i'm not home as much as i want to be and living the life of a the business owner just living in the truck trying to keep up with everything and it's been a kind of a rough week for me this week just because i wake up go to work Come home, shower, eat, go back to bed, <laughs> and restart. It's eighteen hours a day. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've that I found, um, or that I guess I was thinking about, you know, is uh, I'm I'm type one diabetic. Okay, for for anyone listening that that doesn't isn't aware of that I'm I'm type one diabetic. I have some other health issues that I'm that I struggle with too. But but the the um, the one day. 
because uh, we've actually we've gone uh, a, li- a few days without without really connecting with you guys even. But so the one day my my blood sugar is high, I couldn't get it to come down for anything, and um, and then go through you know next day or so and and for whatever reason something came into me that just I just didn't care anymore, you know. I was like, okay, I'm I I tried this diabetes thing, didn't like it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm done with it. I don't, <laughs> I don't care, you know. Um, you can have it back. Yeah, you, yeah. This is, you know, I mean, I did it. You know, everybody says you can do something for, for what, you know, the quote's a big thing of like, you know, you can do anything for a year, you know. Well, okay, well, I've done my year. I'm good, you know. They did actually more than that, and I'm okay. I'm, I'm done doing this. I'm good this. with this. Yeah. But, but it got me thinking about those days when you just don't care. You just don't care anymore, right? I mean, and it's whatever challenge we're facing, whatever, whatever, whatever thing we're we're dealing with. I was dealing at that at that point with with just the diabetic stuff and all that jazz, um, counting carbs, you know, making sure I've got the right amount of insulin, blah blah blah, all the all the crap that comes with it. But I got to that to that place in that day where I just said, I just don't care. And Brenda was even asking me, she's like, "What's going on?" I'm like, "I just don't care today. I just don't care." I didn't like pound pound a whole pizza or anything like that. It's not like I, I went <laughs> self-destructive, but inside of my soul it was it affected me. I just didn't care. And when I when I when I was struggling with that, it made me not care about everything else too. You know? Amazing. Absolutely. Like a snowball, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not like you've got I don't care about one topic. It's it in, it infests your soul and it just it becomes your your perspective, your outlook on life. And so what what do you guys do? I mean, I, I, I find it very hard to believe that that's a unique experience to, <laughs> to me. So when when you guys hit those days, when you just say, look, I just don't care. I don't care anymore. Where Is there anything that you've got in your toolbox that you guys go to to say, okay, this is what gets me back on track with that? Or... Um, you know, or this is something that that I've seen others do, and I heard I heard some other buddy, some somebody else talk about this or that, where it's helped them. I mean, what's because I I think this is a common situation for a whole lot of people. Oh, it absolutely is, um, and that's actually a scary place for uh, an addict or alcoholic like Jimbo and I to be in. Uh, they we actually have tools that we do deal with that, where we call people and. Cause if we get in that I just don't care mode, it's like screw it, let's have a beer. I mean, it could be all over from there, you know. Uh, so it is, it's scary. But I, we go and we call people, and you got to get out of your own head, pretty much. Figure right. out and what listen, gets yeah. you out of your own head. Absolutely. And listening to your story, it's kind of nice because it does seem like it was a temporary. A lot of people when they give up it's you know what i mean weeks months at a time you were able to get out of that funk pretty quickly i'm hopeful anyways you didn't really continue the story but you seem in much better spirits today i Um, didn't give an ending to let you know (laughs) exactly i don't know if you're still going through it or not but a lot of those people where if you don't have the tools in place like you're talking about it can skyrocket into something horrendous and it happens to everybody like you're saying i know just yesterday it was a weekend off and I had worked a weird, crazy schedule where, like, every seventh Saturday I have to work. So the previous Saturday I worked, so now I'm working this weird – the whole thing got kind of, like, threw up my routine, which 
being Mr. 3000, those routines are quite important to me. But then yesterday, I just woke up late, laying on the couch, kind of like boo-hooing, but not like depressed or just ready to mail in the day and just stay on the couch the rest of the day. And I got a call around 3 o'clock from somebody in the rooms. This is not a meeting, but this person <laughs> gave me a call out of the blue. And we had a nice talk for like 35, 40 minutes. And it just took me completely out of myself. Mm. I didn't even initiate the phone call. So was it... Um it was quarter, just almost like a checkup, like, hey, how you doing? And, like, it was something being done for me that I didn't have to do for myself. You know what I mean? Like, right. Well, that whole talk of the higher power and things happening for a reason that's always a common theme on this show, that phone call, I wasn't obviously going to go drink, but I was, like I said, just a blah kind of day. Like, right. I was just going to let it coast by without having any impact on anything. Exactly. And that phone call came in at the right time. And those days are cyclical for me. You know, it seems like we've got, I've got those days that they just, those days just show up, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and it's not, it's not that I'm becoming self-destructive. It's, it's not this, um, situation where, where I say, look, screw it. I'm doing everything, you know, you know, give me that, give me that Reese's peanut butter cup and I don't care. You see, know, that's the way I am. But, like, and, and see, I, I don't go there, but I do find those days where I'm just like, if those Th- days start to accumulate, though, do you see yourself saying, oh, screw it, let's eat a half a pint of ice cream and see what happens? I don't – in in those moments, I'm not that motivated, you know? Right. <laughs> I'm just not. <laughs> I'm, I'm not motivated enough to go get ice cream. It's not about ambition for stuff that I can't have. It's shutting it's, down. Yeah, it's just – it's going d- into that dull lull of a space of I just don't care, you know? I mean, I hit that this, this week, actually. Uh, I was on my way back from – where was I at? Up above Slippery Rock. And I just needed to get out of my own head. And most of the time, Dave Matthews does that for me, believe it or not. <laughs> <laughs> I can throw on a little throw on a little Dave, and I go into like this meditation mode where I can, I can stop thinking for a little bit. You know, kind of get you out of that blah moment. It wasn't working this time. I had a stressful week. So I reached up, and I cranked it up. It's like if I turn it up a little louder, this this might work, and uh, that didn't work. And, um, <laughs> Three it, new speakers later. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it was rough, and I, I'm sitting there, and like I talked about the tools earlier, uh, what I should have did was started calling people, you know, mm-hmm. and talked about what I was going through. Well, here my phone rings, and it's my sponsor, and I'm like. <laughs> boy is that weird (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile i should have been calling him you know or anybody and um he ends up calling me i pick up the phone i'm like boy i really needed to talk to you (laughs) and he goes good because i need to talk to you my wife has a flat tire can you help me out i was like yeah i'll help you out if you can help me out (laughs) he's like you know you can call me anytime i'm retired right (laughs) it's like yeah, it's just hard to pick up the phone sometimes, you know, and that's how I get out of it. I mean, now, do you ever start to feel when you make these phone calls? Do you do you call them and say, "Hey, I'm feeling this way," or do you just start doing talking about other things to get just to get other conversations going and other topics in your head? Usually, when I'm calling them, they're gonna know like something's going on, right? <laughs> I mean, if it's not if the conversation doesn't open up, hey, you want to go golfing this weekend? You know what I mean? Something's going to get talked about. And it's just the relationship that we have. Right. And that's why everything's so different as far as, like, 
the feelings that you were describing, I've had them so many times where it's just like, I don't feel like picking up that call and I'm not going to make that phone call. I want to dive further into what you were talking about. Yeah, go Because ahead. obviously Joe and I have the luxury that others don't have mm -hmm. because you're not in any type of program or go to meetings or anything like that. Mm -mm. There's plenty of our listeners that don't have a meeting that they can get to. So let's try to get to what is from recognizing the issue because a lot of people won't even recognize I'm in a funk or I'm mm. not I'm ready to give up until it's too late. Right. Until your sugar completely crashes and then it's just like, oh shit, we got to call 911 here. Like right. what do those so I feel what you're saying. Like I've been there many a times where I haven't picked up the phone or I haven't used my tools or started reading a book to help me out. Or just like, oh, screw it. a cigarette would be great right now. And before you know it, I'm smoking again. Like, <laughs> right. What I'm just basically, I guess I'm at the same level of you are where, how do we get to that point for those people that don't have the escape where they have a laundry list of phone numbers they can call? What do they do? Well, and some, some of it seems like it's personality driven. You know, I mean, if you're not somebody that typically will just pick up the phone and start talking. Right. That's because that's not my style. Mine you know? either. And I that's don't... why that guy calling me was a blessing because I surely wasn't going to pick up the phone to call him. I was totally content being a blah for that <laughs> entire Saturday. You know what I mean? Like... Right. Right. Well, and I'm not I'm not somebody who in, even enjoys being on the phone that long. You know, I mean, it's uh, I, I, I'll, I'll text you before I'll call you. Oh, I'm totally. You know, that's. Um, ever. Yeah, I know. That's I know. It's like, phone, like calling without without having to speak. It's fantastic. And there was a couple awkward. Like we talked, like I said, for thirty minutes. There were several times where it's just like, how long do I gotta? And thankfully, like he had something on his end that he had to end the call. So I was just like, oh, okay. Right. So it finally ended its natural way. But I just don't know how. And I experienced those feelings. I don't want to say often, but like you said, like every once in a while, just like screw it. I'm done with this. Right. I don't want to fight today. Right. Can, and unfortunately, in your situation, you don't have that option. Right. And then even people in Joey and I's situation with having alcoholism and that we can't afford to have too many of those crappy days where we just give up. Because like I was mentioning earlier, I was trying to get to if we let those build up. Oh, it was just one here. Before you know it, there's two a week, three a week. Oh, screw it. I'm just going to drink. You know what I mean? Like it can escalate that quickly. Right. With your illness, it, you don't have the choice to not fight. You're just going to feel worse and worse and worse. Well, right. And that's why that's why I tried to, to describe it in such a way that I really don't go self-destructive at those moments. Right. It's just it's more of a depression. You know, like I still do what I have to do. I still go through the motions. But that's but it's not a that's all you're doing. Yeah, that's all I'm like, doing. Right. Yeah. I'm just I'm just going through the motions and, it, and it, it bleeds over into the other areas of my life. I just don't care. You know, on those at those moments, I just don't care anymore. Um. And so if the world were to come to an end, you know, Around inside it. of that next hour, yeah, okay. Right. You know, I mean, I would just, I would accept it. <laughs> I would just deal with it. It is what it is. Yeah, it's not what it, was, it wasn't a big deal. But, um, but yeah, so that's, I don't know, that's, that's what I feel like I, I wrestle with. And, and as, and again, personality driven, being more introverted, those tools that draw in community, which is such a big part of the program and such a big part of just kind of journeying through life and navigating through the challenges is leaning on community, community that you trust, community that you find faithful, community that, that brings you hope and, and, and builds you up. If you can lean on that community, then that's where you can find a, a lot of strength. 
I right? agree with that, but at the same time, and devil's advocate, I guess, but if your wife comes up to you while you're in that hour of just, I don't care, no matter what she says to you at that point, <laughs> deep down, I've been there where it's just like, you're talking to a blank wall. Like, I don't care right. what you're saying right now. I'm going to go through this little spell. And you know what I mean? It's just like support system or not. It's great that they're there and they check on you and care, but I'm going to go through my shit. You know what I mean? It's right. just like at this present moment, I don't feel like rebounding and picking myself <laughs> up. And, you know what I mean? Like, let me stew in this for a moment, you know? Right. Well, and it wasn't to be, to be honest, it wasn't just a moment for me. Right. It, it was about, it was a two day stretch of, just feeling like that, just a, a depression that just kind of sat in, and maybe even a, a, an oppression, you know, in in some ways. Um, but but the I guess where where I was going was was with that those community tools, you know. They're huge. They're, sure. Well, they're huge, but for an introvert, on on some levels, they they feel more challenging to get to. They, they you know those are those are those are cumbersome tools for for somebody who who isn't that outspoken who who tends to internalize more um and you know i mean that's just that's just kind of where it's at so they're they're cumbersome tools Absolutely. for that situation so you guys have to have seen I'm not making this about a let's let's fix Scott moment. I'm trying to talk about the bigger issue. <laughs> There's but, way too much. not enough time yeah. in the day for that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but what have you seen where um, those types of personalities have, have you seen those types of personalities struggle in in the programs that, that you've seen? Um, and if you have, what are what are some of the ways that those folks have have found uh, you know? ways to make to make uh paths in the rooms you'll see and i'm luckier than hell and i still like i talk about all the time don't know how it has happened but accumulating those one days at a time are huge so we do come across unfortunately those people that either don't want to grasp that concept or it's too much for them so they continue to go back and forth back and forth drink and drink and you wonder why they're doing it and that's what's so great about the program that joey and i are in there's a book and there's steps involved that get me out of myself that lead me down the path of helping the other alcoholic that still struggles. But like the first couple steps, admitting that I was powerless was the greatest thing in my life. So it was like the first time a loss was actually fantastic. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about in the past. The second thing is to find a relationship with some sort of higher power. And that also is huge for me. And I talk about all the time where I don't, get down in the morning and at night and say prayers to a person above me, but I'll talk to the people within the rooms. That's my higher power. And once I turn that will over to the group, it's stronger than myself. So I know that support system that we always talk about is there. Even if I don't reach out on a daily basis, I know, okay, I'm having a crappy day to today. I know tomorrow night at 830, I can get this taken care of. And that's where you see the people coming back and forth. They don't want to admit that they've been defeated. They don't want to admit that they have to turn something over to something greater than themselves. It's almost like a matter of pride or ego that they think, I can do this on my own. Right. Well, success showed me for years that I could never do it. <laughs> it never worked on my own. <laughs> so, like, when those steps came into my life, it finally started making sense. Like, okay, there is somebody bigger than Jimbo. Right, like, right. This is finally great to see. Like, it was a load off my shoulders where it's just like, oh, thank God. Like, I can actually 
there's people like me out there that I can actually talk to about this. Right. And you just see those people that come in and out, in and out. They hang out on the outside of the rooms. They come in a couple minutes late, leave a couple minutes early. They never dive all the way in. The big saying lately that I've been hearing around the rooms is try to get into the middle of the bed. And it's not easy, but if you, it's a lot. Of the easy. bed. Yeah, once you're in the middle <laughs> of the bed, it's hard to fall off. You know what I mean? So if you dive in and try to get to that middle of the bed, it is definitely harder to fall off. But you'll see it all the time. And I was like that in the beginning where I was coming to meetings, but for I talk about it all the time. One of the biggest things that finally put me over the hurdle was doing an inventory of myself. Where are all these fears and character defects? Where they all were continuously coming from? And I wrote down this list. And again, this not being a meeting, I don't want to dive exactly how that step's broken down. But I had to take a personal inventory of myself and then tell another human being, my higher power, and all myself that these issues needed to be resolved and i sat i didn't want to do that so for three and a half years of sobriety i sat at the gates of step four i didn't want to go through it hmm. and i was miserable i couldn't figure out why i was miserable and <laughs> everyone kept saying if you do this step you'll feel better oh no no that's not it that's not it and i put it off for three and a half years i didn't somehow drink over it but there is countless examples of people that will do steps one two and three and then go back out because they don't want to look at themselves hmm. So that's like the biggest step in these programs is to finally get to the core issue of why you did what you did for so many years. And I was right on that fence where I wasn't going to do it. I was totally content just not drinking and being miserable. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I finally did that step, it was just like, oh, my God, why did I wait so long? And right. that's when I always say I finally found the middle of the bed huh. when I did that step where I finally put down on paper all my shit. And this is with people that I met in my third grade that I was holding a beef against, they ended up on this <laughs> list. You know what I mean? Like silly stuff that I was holding on to for some reason. Right. And there's no reason for that stuff, but it was that, like, I just completely purged myself and put it all down on paper. Yeah. And it was fantastic. And then the following day I traveled over to a monastery to do the famous fifth step where you tell another human being, you tell yourself and you tell mm. your higher power and get it out there vocally. And that was groundbreaking as well. Huh. It was those two steps. Obviously I feel introduced me to AA in a way that I'd never seen it before, Yeah. as well as recovery in general. At that point, I did, even though I wasn't at Step 12, I knew that I was going to be there to help the other alcoholic that still struggles. Gotcha. Does that make any sense? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's that makes a ton of sense. Um, especially that part where, where you don't push, we don't push through, because right. you find you find comfort in that familiarity of miserable. Staying you in know? your own poop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's familiar. You know, and so when it becomes familiar, it's 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 unfortunately there's there's I hate to say it this way, but there's there's a comfort in the misery. Absolutely. You know, because I know I know what to expect. I know I know what the next day brings. I know this th my perspective on the world is this way. And whenever I um, if I could begin to challenge that now, I don't know what to expect. And now I, I don't know a new way to understand everything that I'm looking at. You know, because so much of getting rid of the misery is get is bringing on that new perspective and and being willing to say, OK, the way that I've always seen it is wrong. You know, the story that I've told myself about this thing is is wrong. There's another story. It's like throwing on a brand new pair of glasses. It's like, holy smoke. Yeah. Like, right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's scary. Absolutely. It, you're 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 reading you're reading the old familiar fairy tale and realizing that the that the evil queen is actually the good one. You know, exactly. <laughs> and going and going, well, how do how do I handle this world? How do I handle a world where the evil queen is actually the good one? Right. You know, 
Um, because now everything that I've been conditioned to respond with and to react to is kind of turned on its head. I've got to I've got to learn new ways to respond and new ways to react whenever whenever the story that I've always believed in isn't isn't true anymore. And that's what we touched on it previously. But like when I started drinking alcoholically, 16, 17, 18 years old, leading to failing out of college, out of the Air Force, all these adventures that kept failing because of my boozing. When I stopped finally drinking at 28, and it was just like, oh, shit. Like, I have to actually – like, everything was brand new. And it felt like I was 16 <laughs> years old again right? trying to compete with 28-year-olds that knew what they were doing. I was just like, right. this is hard as hell to do. <laughs> and it slowly got easier. But, man, oh, man, that was a challenge when all of a sudden, like you're saying, that evil queen is the good queen. It's just like, whoa, this is game-breaking. Right, right. And so it becomes this um – it becomes this this thing where it's just it's it's hard in those moments, you know, and it's hard to to re-embrace that storyline that's that's totally turned on its head now. Um, oh, it's very easily to flip right back to that twenty-eight year old alcoholic that doesn't want to do anything in life. Well, sure, you've had twenty-eight years putting that in. Yeah, absolutely. You know? <laughs> so to flip the script. <laughs> you've built. You've you've got twenty-eight years of that. Yeah. So the, you know? it's such an easy thing to fall back on. And you were good at it. <laughs> yeah, uh, Joey's back. <laughs> Thanks, Joe. <laughs> was that a compliment or was that what? Oh, I was a great drunk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what I was too good at being a drunk. <laughs> that's why I had to quit. I mean, I was one of the best. <laughs> got to give this up. Going after the trophy. When you got into that two-day funk that you were in, and you knew you were in it while it was going on, and you still didn't give a shit. On that day three, what flipped the switch? How did you, quote unquote, get to the other side of it? Is there a solution that you can actually? There's, tell? there really wasn't. I mean, even when I was in it, it's just a I'm like, it's cyclical, and so give me a couple of days, it'll go away. You know, that's that's kind of how I dealt with it, um, and that's how I typically deal with it. In in, uh, you know, when it shows up, is just it goes away. You know. Nothing um, radical like I'm gonna shave my head to get a new. Yeah. Like nothing crazy <laughs> like that. Didn't take well, a- I started growing my beard. Nobody's mentioned it, but I did. I started growing my beard. It's it'll take me about six months to get it to look like yours, and another two years to get it to look like Joey's. But <laughs> but, but I started it. Uh, um, but no, it wasn't. It really wasn't because I don't go to those self-destructive places. I don't. I don't feel that urge. To have to try and get rid of it as quickly. If I think if I was being self-destructive, I would, I would have to deal with it a whole lot faster. You know, I mean, because if if I got self-destructive with the diabetes, I'd be in the hospital. Right. You know, that's just the way it would roll. And so, um, but to to just continue to maintain it and to just do the the you know do the bare minimum that I have to do just to make sure that everything's fine. Um, but yet it affects that worldview. It affects it affects my perspective on life. I just deal with it, and I'm like, okay, give me a couple of days, it'll, I'll bounce back, you know, and I'll be fine. Um, but what it does to the people around me is totally different, you know, because they see me as not caring, obviously, um, but they they realize that something's going on, and it's not right, and it's not good, you know. Um, and then, but th- I mean, that kind of takes me onto a tangent of. 
I think it's okay to sometimes have those down days, you know? <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure we were designed for every day to be this huge high, you yeah, know? Like we talked about in past episodes, that principle of mine that would get up every single day and yell, hallelujah, it's a great day to be alive. <laughs> right. Some days it's not a great day to be alive. And Some it's tough. Not. Yeah, so I totally get what you're saying there. And it's okay to... I just get nervous with myself because I know my personality and everybody obviously knows who they are where a couple days here and there is one thing, but we keep mentioning it back and forth. If I accumulate a couple of shitty days in a row, what's from stopping me a month from down the road going through another spell and be like, you know, this would be a lot easier if I just stopped in at happy hour and mm. had six beers. And before you know it, I'm working on a DUI or I'm going to do like, cause I know I, myself, I can't stop. Right. So I'm able to, because of the program and because of people like you in my life and other friends and family, a, a funk is definitely natural. And I go through it all the time. I know this warning signs where, whoa, this is just not a funk. I'm lucky enough to be blessed where if I get in that funk for three or four days and it's still continuing, I have to do something or things are not going to end up right. Right. Now, and again, there are many a times where I go two or three days where it's just like, eh, I'm not going to go to a meeting. And I go two or three days without a meeting. And I can tell you for a fact, <laughs> by the end of that third day, I'm needing of something. Something is missing. And I don't know, I can't put into words what it is, but sure as shit, if I step into a meeting for an hour, hang out a little bit before and a little bit after, I sure feel a lot better. The mm. soul feels a lot better. Yeah. But again, I'll let myself get into those funks, and maybe it is something that's just natural. It's just I feel bad for the people around me that have to experience <laughs> it. <that's> <laughs> right. And see, it's it's in those moments of... Of um, I almost see some, there's times not every time but there are times where those I see those moments of depression almost as a gift um, because it's it's born out of out of that suffering out of that depression saying you know, a suffering in a vague term you know but but out of that junk come some of my more creative moments the, there my um, some of my my better ideas even come whenever I'm in those type of moments. And and I don't I don't know why that is. I really don't. I don't know if it's because I come more I become more introspective, if it's, you know, because the guards are all down and my mind is just doing whatever it wants to do. I don't know. Um but it's out of those types of times. Catch me in a really good time when everything's going great. My creativity is almost at a, a low. But catch me when when things really aren't going all that good and and it's out of that that i get a whole lot of a whole lot of other ideas and and concepts that that seem to come it's like it's almost like a creativity booster <laughs> for me and and it's um and i've heard other people i mean i'm not an artist but i've heard other people who are artists who who say that that's what works for them you know they i mean look at songwriters they're some of the most miserable people around but stand-up comedians same way. yeah oh stand-up comedians that oh yeah i mean it's it's ridiculous the depression that goes i mean look at robin williams he was the rest of the world saw him at the top of his game at the top of his craft even even how many years after he had that big peak he's, he's peaking again and and he's he commits suicide because he doesn't see any value in in the life that he was leading and in what he was bringing to the world. And and the um, there there was a huge outreach, you know, an outpouring of, of love for him after after that happened, right. um, because of all the number of lives that he actually affected. 
but but it was that I don't know. I mean, I I think at some point there is a, there is a tie to creativity and and that, and I'm not sure I've got all the words for why that is or even how it, how they Seems are like interconnected. You it pretty well, like like you said, all the gates are down. It's I don't know. Like if you're with being in that position, if with all the gates being down, you don't care about that community that we always talk about around us. So you don't have a concern about the wife, the kid. At, it's just you. It's raw. It's who I am at the moment. So, and you do come up with some fantastic things. Right. And and you don't care. Right. Like you put it out that we've talked before about how, how Joey doesn't care because nobody's going to say it to your face, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> but, Still but a tough mindset to live. But, in, but for those of us who actually care, who are pushing pushing our stuff to the middle of the table, going, okay, what do you think? You know, I mean, we're trying to put it out there. We're trying to get it out there. Please be. Nice. It's it's in that moment of I don't care that I'm willing to put it on the table. Right. And say, well, there you go. I don't give a shit. Right. You know, like it, don't like it. That's me. If you don't like it, I'm still gonna do it. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> there you go. You know, and uh, and maybe that's the maybe that's the tie. I don't know, but um, uh, but anyway, so so we've hit we've hit a bunch of different tangents there, but we will tie it together nicely in future episodes. I promise you that. Or not. Eh, maybe not. You just keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I had to leave for a little bit. <laughs> We're holding that against you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's well, – okay, we'll bring this to an end here, but um, we, we hope we haven't left you on a depressing moment. The um, well, I was trying to find a way to bring it back up to a high. And so maybe maybe we'll just have Jimbo tell us a joke or something. I don't know. Some, I'll something. I'll you with a nice mushy quote that there we just go. read recently. And this is deep, so get ready. You're going to be blown away. You are an emotional, mushy guy. That's who you are. Puppies and rainbows. But anyway. Unicorns, I believe, is what you Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Yeah, it's definitely unicorns. Unicorns. Fantastic. Purple ones. Well, today's quote, again, this comes from Albert Einstein, so that's how deep I'm going with this. Wow. Sometimes one pays most for the things one gets for nothing. Ew, man. If you could see their faces right now. Fantastic. He, he, he was a very smart man. Sometimes one pays most for the things one gets for nothing. Would you like to expound on that a little bit? Maybe in a future episode. We'll leave you out there just thinking about it. Okay, this so next while. time when we get together, Jimbo's going to actually explain that quote to us. <laughs> <laughs> and believe me, it's deep. Thank you again for listening. This has been, um, this is not a meeting. You have not been in attendance. And uh, if you uh, liked it, enjoyed it, um, even resonated with some of it. We ask you to uh, go to iTunes, subscribe, uh, leave a comment for us. We that's that's huge. That, that helps us out a lot. Um, it really does matter if you if you'd be able to do that for us. We didn't talk about Tim today. Well, you can put your comments right below Tim's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We didn't talk about Tim today, but Tim, we still love you. And. Um, <laughs> And so uh, check out the Facebook page. We have a Facebook page going on. We have um, we have a website, thisisnotameeting.com, where you can go. You can leave your comments. You can check out the uh, any notes that we have for the, for the podcast. And uh, until next time, we love you, and we will see you then.